So the average age for a young person to get a cell phone is now 10 years old. Did I put, did I put a smartphone up there? Are there actually cell phones today that aren't smartphones? I'm not sure about that anymore. Seems like they're all that way. That means they're all internet active. 95% of young people either have most of them or at the very least have access to a cell phone. 20% of three and four year olds are accessing the internet. Did y'all realize that? By the time they are 10, that will be half of young people are accessing the internet. 50% of teens say they are constantly online. Uh, constantly online. The other 50% aren't honest about that. <laughs> Let's put that in real numbers. The average teenager in America today spends nine hours online, social networking, texting, interacting in that way. The average teen spends nine hours. The next group down from eight to 12 year olds, six hours every day online, connecting with friends through text, things like that. Most parents say that they are very aware of what their kids are doing. One out of three kids say, yeah, that's true. The rest say they're not, right? 11 years old is the average age in America for a kid to be exposed to pornography. 11 years old. 93% of boys, 62% of girls will have seen pornography by the time they are 18 years old. And most porn is viewed on the internet using a cell phone. 62% of teens, young adults, this is high school, college age, have received an explicit image through a text message, what we call sexting in our culture. Did you see that number? Two out of three have received a text message with an explicit image. Almost half have sent one. And young people, junior high through college, are the largest segment of American culture, the largest users of internet pornography in American culture. Does that freak you out a little? You know what I'm suspicious of? That it probably doesn't. So I sat down over the last couple of weeks and began to assemble some data, like what I put on the slide here, so that I could make the point to all of you tonight that our youth faces a grave danger when they get a phone at 10 years old and start jumping online unsupervised. But as I began to collect this data, it occurred to me I was going to spend a sizable part of the lesson working through the dangers. And I thought, you already know that. I don't imagine that any of you, after I announced my topic this morning, came back tonight thinking, well, I don't know why he would talk about dangers online. Kids don't face any dangers out there on the internet. I bet y'all don't believe that at all. I bet you already knew before you got here that the internet can be very dangerous. And the dangers come in all kinds of different forms from porn to predators to YouTube videos that threaten to undermine their faith. 
And so I have to tell you, late last week, I began to drastically reconsider this lesson. I don't know that I need to spend a bunch of time convincing you of this danger or even that it has many facets or that we need to be concerned about our kids. I think I would just be preaching to the choir and you'd already give me a thumbs up on that. You know what I think we could spend our time better doing? Talking about how to help our kids. Talking about what to do as they face this danger. So I'm going to point you tonight to Ephesians 6.4. I'm going to reference this text over and over again. So let me begin there with sort of a foundation stone to our study. In Ephesians 6.4, the Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in what? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I'm going to work for a little while tonight, both of those two words. We're going to do some instruction from the Lord. I think that's where we need to begin. And we're also going to talk a little bit about how parents discipline their children, which by the way, that word is a lot bigger than just spanking, okay? I know that's what comes to my mind too. But, but it's bigger than that. There's more to it. It's really more the idea of training up kids. And so how do we train our children to face this threat to their moral purity? I do not think it is enough for us to dabble in vague generalities. I could stand up here tonight and say the internet's really dangerous and we need to protect our kids as together we stand and sing. I'd really like to be a little bit more specific about that and to quantify, to dig deep and spell out what it looks like to train our kids to face this danger. So I have four categories that I want to address tonight, starting with this. Number one, I think if we're going to help them fight this battle, we're going to have to start talking about it. Yes? With me on that? Jump back into your Old Testament. That's where I want to go for this point. Head back to Deuteronomy 6. Probably for you guys who come all the time, you know this is familiar territory. Deuteronomy chapter 6, because I love these words of Moses, and when I talk about parenting and kids, I read these words all the time. So, in Deuteronomy 6, I'm in chapter 6, verse number 6, these words Moses said, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And we have made the point from this text many, many times that what Moses is saying to mom and dad <clears throat> is you need to take this covenant that we have with God and the terms of this covenant, all these laws that are laid out in the Old Testament, you need to keep it from your kids all the time. You need to teach them about the covenant. You need to teach them the terms of the covenant. You need to walk them through all the instructions. And then, and then when you guys are sitting around the house, bring it up. And when y'all go out walking somewhere together, bring it up. And when they go to bed at night, make them think about this. And when you get up in the morning, you be talking about this. We would say, plaster it on the refrigerator door. 
Put it on the bulletin board in your house. Keep the covenant in front of your kids all the time. And so what I would say to those of us who have parented in this generation, we need to do that about this problem. As we try to teach our kids to follow God and to be the people that he wants them to be, part of that has to be warning them about this grave danger. If you agree with me that there is a grave danger when our kids get online, and they are with their own little cell phone at 10 years old. If you agree with me that the heart is important, if, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart for all dil- with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of right. Life. Who we are, what we, what we say, what we do is a product of what is in our heart. If the heart is at risk of being corrupted here, we need to be talking to our kids about this. How much? Well, tell me, how often are they walking around with their cell phone? It's as though it is attached surgically to their bodies. So how often should we be talking about it? All the time. So I thought about stopping there, and then I thought, well, I wouldn't be true to my mission tonight because what I said is we need to dig deep. So what should these conversations sound like? How about... How about a conversation about Proverbs 4.23? How about telling your kids that the kind of things that they fill their minds with will determine what kind of person they are? And so now I'm thinking about time with the Internet, time with the Bible. What kind of people are they going to grow up to be? You see it? So we need to be talking about Proverbs 4.23. How about some Matthew 5.28? You want to jump over and look at that text? Matthew 5.28. You think that has any relevance to this internet struggle with our kids? Matthew 5.28, Jesus said, whoever looks on a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in their heart, right? Know that text? Does that have any relevance to all of this? Listen, that's one of the things we need to talk about. That's one of the problems with pornography. It is, it is looking and lusting, and we need to be teaching our kids from the Word of God what the problem with that is. And then, and then how about Ephesians 5 and verse 15? Should that be part of the conversation? Where Paul says that we are to walk wisely and make the most of our time because the days are evil, When we're talking about nine hours of their day being dedicated to their phone, do you think there need to be some conversations about time? Plug in a little Ephesians 5 in there and the wise walk and how we use our time. And how about talking to them about the importance of the reputation? Does that have anything at all to do with their internet and social media activity? Does that have any impact at all? You need to know that every young person, every young man who has ever come to work with the Dallin Road Church, yes, you too, Reuben, we've checked out their Facebook page. We've gone all through. Every guy who's come here, that was before the workout videos on Ben's part, or that may have caused us to reconsider that whole thing. I tell you what, you learn a lot about person by what they're posting their social media accounts. And if, you, if, if we're doing that here, you don't think that your boss is doing it? Where you're going to go to work? That your teachers do it? 
Your reputation is tied to the kind of activities you are involved in online. Mom and dad need to be, need to be talking to their kids about that. So we need to get these biblical stones put in the foundation. Matthew 5, 28, Ephesians 5, 15, Proverbs 22, 1, I didn't mention that, which talks about reputation. We need to be going through this stuff with our kids. And then, and then once the passages have been laid out there, we need to come back and we need to start, we need to start plugging it into their online activities so, so they understand. This is what God said, and this is how it speaks to what you do online. So, so we need to be talking to our kids, you know, about how Matthew 5, 28 says something about pornography. You know what your kids need to understand? That the problem with pornography is not just that you will be disappointed if you find out they've been doing that. The far more important issue is that God will be disappointed and that God disapproves of that. And in Proverbs 5 and verse 21, God says, I know all your ways. I see everything that you do. We need to impress that on the hearts of our kids. We need, we need to bring up that Ephesians 5 passage and talk to them about how much time they're giving to their internet activity and social media and Facebook and Instagram and, and gaming and all those things. And then, and then maybe have this conversation at home. If we, can, if we can consistently do it, talk a little bit about how much time are you spending with, with the gaming stuff and how much time did you spend in your Bible? Ooh. Boy, is that going to be an uncomfortable conversation or what? But we need to talk about it. Because Proverbs 4.23 says that what we treasure up in us determines who, that we are, who we are. Brothers and sisters, we need to be having this conversation with our kids. Now, I know, I know that, that as I talk about this, some of this stuff starts getting into uncomfortable territory. You start talking to young, young men and young women about pornography and that kind of stuff. And I know the temptation. The temptation is to say, I know it's out there, but my kid would never look at this. That is not going to be a problem for my child. They're not going to be tempted about it because I have good kids. Do I need to put that first slide back up again? Virtually every single kid has come across pornography by the time they graduate high school, okay? A lot of times unintentionally. It is going to be a temptation for these people because it is the world they live in. You may have a good kid that bad people using his phone try to get to. We have to get over being uncomfortable and burying our head in the sand. And we got to be having the conversation. Got to be having conversations like this all the time. So we need to be talking. I think that's where we need to start. But it shouldn't end with talking because once the conversation is going, the second thing that I would suggest is that we need to start making some rules. We need to start laying out some guidelines for our activities when we start going online. So I'm going to go back to Ephesians 6.4 again, which says to bring up our children in the, the discipline of the Lord. Rules are part of that discipline. We teach our kids what the Word of God says, but then we take the Word and we begin to make application and form up, form up guidelines for our family about how we ought to behave because we believe this book is from God and we believe that we ought to do what it said. So how does that impact your life? So what do we need to make rules about? 
We need to make rules about time. Can we agree if the average teenager is spending nine hours a day on their phone, online, and texting, that that is too much? I really expected y'all to give me a heavy amen on that. Is that too much? Yeah, way too much. And so, what we need to do is we need to help our kids. I'll be fair to y'all. We need to help our kids, maybe starting with ourselves, to unplug from our digital life and start talking about what is a reasonable amount of time to spend on these things. And then maybe in place of that, to come up with some healthy alternatives, maybe that mom and dad need to join in because, frankly, you've been too busy putting pictures of your food on Facebook too, right? And you need to dial back that time a little bit. So maybe, maybe it's just something simple. Maybe your family could say, we're going to take a 30-minute break. Everyone's phone's going to get turned off. The world won't end, I promise. And we're going to sit down and we're going to read the Bible together tonight. We're going to do the Bible reading, Genesis 18 this week, so you don't have to announce that. I took care of it for you. We're in Genesis 18 this week. How about every day? Say, 20-minute break from your phone, turn it off. We're going to sit down. We're going to do the Bible reading together. You know what that's called, folks? That's called training and disciplining our kids to handle this well. I don't think the answer, you're going to love me for saying this, right? Especially if you don't have a phone yet. I don't think the answer is to say, I just won't get my kids one of those. What that guarantees is that they will grow up without any experience using these tools that are part of their world wisely. See, I thought I'd do the same thing with my kids. I just, I never was into video games because I never saw the need to exercise my thumbs. That just wasn't a big deal to me. And so we didn't have that at my house. What I found out though is when my kids would go to other people's houses where they had games, they would go into the room where the games were and they wouldn't leave like for two days while they visited friends. Heidi and I woke up one day and said, this is a bad plan. Our kids aren't learning any discipline about that. That's what we're doing, folks. We're training our kids to take the technology that is there and to use it wisely. Time is one issue of that. Location is another issue of that. Where are they going to be using their phone? You see, Used to be a long time ago, like in 2005, right after I moved here, and we would talk about problems with the internet. I would say something. I probably said this preaching here. You need to take that computer, which used to be a big box, right? And you need to move it out into the middle of your house. We actually bought a cabinet to put in our living room for our computer. And when our boys got online, they would have to come into the living room where we were and use the internet there. That was a great strategy, right? What's wrong with that today? Go back to the numbers I gave you at the beginning. Folks, people aren't accessing the internet through a computer anymore. Kids are getting online with their phones or with a tablet, maybe a laptop if you want to be old school. But the big box is gone. And so one of the things we need to be concerned about is location when our kids are getting online. And I would just suggest when doing internet stuff, we need to get that out of the bedroom, out from behind closed doors, get the kids in the living room. Going to get online? You know, fine, use your phone, but I want you here in the living room 
where I can keep an eye on the things that are going on, out in some kind of public place. And then, and the other piece of that is going to be time in the terms of, of when that's done. It needs to be when someone's home and around and can kind of keep an eye on things. And I'm going to rant about one other thing you guys have heard me rant about all the time. Don't let your teenage kids go to bed with their phone. Ooh, I like that. Some of y'all responded to that. I know the kids hate it when I say this, folks, but two-thirds of kids have been texted an inappropriate image from somebody else, and almost half of all kids have sent nasty pictures of themselves to someone else. Question, when do you think that's going on? My suspicion, an awful lot of it happens after mom and dad go to bed and somebody went to their room with their cell phone. I just think wisdom says during the growing up years while we're training and teaching discipline, we're going to take this thing, it's going to go on, it's going to go on mom and dad's dresser, we'll have a little charging station, we'll charge all the cell phones right there and it isn't going back to anybody's room. And then lastly, talk to your kids about what, make some rules about where they're going to go and what they're going to see. I know that seems obvious, but that needs to be part of it. Talk about those places that aren't appropriate for you to be. Talk about what their activities are going to be on Facebook and other social media accounts. Talk about what to do when they stumble across something dangerous. Because I'm going to say it again. Your kid doesn't have to be doing something bad to get into something bad. How are they going to handle that if something pops up on the screen? And they weren't looking for it, but there it is. What should they do? The danger is too great for us to deal with a bunch of vague generalities. We need to, we need to dig deeply here and work with our kids to create some rules. In fact, I would suggest that you do this together. This is not a thing where mom and dad retreat back to their room and get a yellow pad and write out a bunch of rules and come out and impose them on the kids. I suggest just the opposite. Get everyone around the kitchen table. Y'all talk about out what God said and the dangers, say, what should the rules be? Let's agree. Let's come up with a list together. And then, thirdly, if we're going to go to the trouble to talk about this and make some rules, then the third thing we need to do is we need to be accountable to the rules. If you go back to Ephesians 6, 4, that's actually another piece of of this discipline thing. It isn't enough to just lay out what God said and to decide based on what God said, this is what our family is going to do, this is how our family is going to behave. Then, then you got to make sure, you got to make sure that everybody behaves and follows the rules. Now, for mom and dad, what that means is we got to get engaged about this part of our kid's life. We cannot be too busy not to pay attention. So that means, you know, your kid's over there on the couch, you know, pounding away at the phone, right? And what do you do? You go peek over their shoulder and say, hey, what's going on? What you doing? Who are you talking to? What are y'all talking about? What are you looking at? That means sometimes you need to hop on those Instagram accounts. Listen, if your kids are going to be on social media, you need to be on their social media. You need to go through their accounts and look at the things that they liked or commented on on posts. You need to check all of that out. And you need to get this guy. By the way, no password protected phones from mom and dad, right? You need to get this guy and you need to look at the internet history. Go back and look at where they've been. If it's blank, 
That's a bad sign. That means not only is your kid going to bad places, but he's smart enough to cover it up. Somebody needs to go back and check and make sure everybody is following the rules. I did that with my kids. I can tell you how awful I was as a parent when one of my boys would say, I'm going over to this person's house and that's where I was going to be. There were, there, were, there were times that Heidi and I actually would go out an hour later and, and drive by and make sure that's where they were. The kids are saying, you spied on your kids? Absolutely. My son complained about that one night. He came home and I said, you know, we drove by where you were tonight. I was really glad you were where you said you were going to be. He said, you didn't trust me, Dad? I said, it has nothing to do with trust, bud. I believed 100% that you would be where you said you were going to be. In fact, I would have been stunned if you weren't there. He said, why did you check? Trust, uh, trust but verify, right? Trust but verify. I just want you to know that it, you don't ever know when I'm going to make sure you're following the rules. Now, y'all know, in fact, I won't say that about any of y'all because I know y'all are better than this, but there would be some young people who would say, but don't kids have a right to privacy? Oh, the rumble goes through the crowd. I hope the ambient mites are picking up the grumble that went through the crowd. Don't kids have a right to privacy? And there are people who say that. They say, look, you shouldn't be so intrusive in your kid's life. They have a right to privacy, and mom and dad shouldn't be able to just go nose around in all of their business. So can we comment on that? Because I think that's important to talk about this, this right to privacy. Let me say two or three things about that. First of all, if you are still a kid, that means 17 or lower, and you live at mom and dad's house, free, you're not contributing whatever your percentage of the family is to the mortgage, and you're using their electricity and their internet. In fact, mom and dad bought the phone and pay for the monthly charge. Let me help you out. You have no right to privacy, okay? Mom and dad get to look. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that's just true with parents. Maybe Greg can help me with this. I'm thinking if I worked for ExxonMobil and this was their phone and I'm looking at their internet, they probably have a right to peek too, don't they? Yeah, you don't even have any right to privacy at ExxonMobil either, so don't be griping at mom and dad about that, okay? No right to privacy. Second, your mom and dad don't just have the right to do that. It's the responsibility. Go back to Ephesians 6, 4. Bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Part of the word discipline means that mom and dad are supposed to make rules and make sure that you keep the rules. That's what it's about. It's about being sure that we all live lives that honor God. And by the way, if I am living a life that honors God, what do I have to hide? Why would I be worried about anybody taking my phone and looking at my internet history or getting on my Facebook page or my Instagram account or looking at what I've tweeted? I still don't know how to do that. 
not up with Twitter yet. I want you to understand, folks, that this will claim to a right to privacy. It is a tool of Satan to divide parents and kids in a struggle where they need to be united. Mom and dad and their children need to be together fighting this battle, not at odds with each other. And this whole claim that you have a right to your privacy and mom and dad shouldn't be able to look, listen, that's the work of the devil. Don't believe it. If we're doing what's right, we have nothing to hide. By the way, suggestions for mom and dad, especially if you have younger kids, before I leave this point. It's much easier to do this on the front end. What I mean by that is when, when our kids began to use the computer or began to want to use the computer, we would say things like, that's great. You can get an email account under this condition. We get the password. And he wanted to use the email account so bad, it was like, hey, what tree do you want me to climb? I'll do whatever so I can get an email account, so I can get a cell phone, so I can get a computer. Well, condition is we're going to check your computer periodically. We'll get you one, but, but we'll check. Is that okay? Sure, if I can get a computer. Sure, if I can get a phone, settling that on the front end, a whole lot easier than trying to impose it on the back end. So if you've got younger kids, that's a better approach to putting the rules in place. But listen, don't let this culture keep anyone from protecting kids from this danger. We need to hold our kids accountable. Someone needs to be engaged and paid attention and checking in. Okay, last thing I want to say to you is this. While we're doing all of those things, we need to also be building good habits, okay? Last thing I want to say to you tonight, I just think this was really, really important because bringing up kids is not just about fussing when they do stuff wrong, and bringing up kids is not just about keeping an eye on the things that threaten them. In fact, what you and I want is to raise these young people so that they will be dedicated to the Lord, devoted to His will, and when the Lord comes and the trumpet sounds, they go to heaven, right? That's what we want, So because that's true, all along the way, we're not just watching out for the danger, but we're trying to build good habits. We want our kids to grow up dedicated to, to this book and the belief that it's the Word of God, and, and, and we want them to know it, right? Because Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, the way a young man keeps his way pure is by keeping it according to his word. And he goes on to say in verse 11 of that text that it is the word treasured in the heart that helps keep us from sin. And so I want my kids to know the book. Secondly, I want my kids to build a really meaningful habit of communicating with God. I want them to do what Colossians 4.2 says. I want them to be devoted to prayer. I don't want them to just go through a table ritual where it's almost the same 12 words every time. It's just a ritual. I want them to really talk to God, have a meaningful habit of prayer. And then I want to bring my kids to class. I want them to be at worship services like this. Thank you for bringing your kids tonight, especially tonight. I want my kids to go to devos. I want them to develop tight relationships with other disciples. Why? Because in Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 23, the Hebrew writer talks about how these relationships we share together, even these moments of worshiping together are things that help us hang on and remain faithful to the Lord. And I promise you, folks, there's a time coming in your life where the only thing that's going to matter to you is that your kids are faithful to the Lord. Okay? So do you hear the habits? In the Word, 
in prayer with God's people. We want to build these healthy habits that are at the core of their relationship with God. But now the reason, the reason that becomes important to what we're saying tonight is as we do this, it helps with this other problem that we've been talking about tonight. Things like Bible study habits and prayer, those are, those are the key pieces of a person's relationship with God, aren't they? God speaks to me through his word. And when I pray, I'm talking to him. And so me and God, we're communicating with each other. And so as these habits are nurtured in our children, it pulls them closer and closer and closer to God, right? Are you seeing that? And I've got to tell you, brothers and sisters, the closer you get to God, the harder it is to be wicked. Can I just be playing with you tonight? It is really tough to leave a Devo surrounded by people who love Jesus and talking about how my life needs to honor him. It's hard to leave Devo and go back in your room, pull out your phone, and start looking at a bunch of porn. It's hard to do both of those things. Now, don't misunderstand me. You can do it, but not for very long. I remember talking to a young person who got caught up in sexual immorality when they were in college. And I asked this young person, I said, how could you be sleeping around and going to church? This young man told me, he said, I knew eventually something had to give. Either I had to start changing the way I behaved or I had to change what I believed but I couldn't keep doing both things. So you see why it's so important to have these good habits going on, pulling our kids closer and closer and closer to God. It just makes it harder and harder for them to do things that are sinful. And by the way, these habits will keep them plugged into God's word, which regularly is going to remind them that they're supposed to be living lives of purity and they're supposed to keep keeping their hearts pure. And sexual immorality and lust can't be part of what I do. And I can't be wasting my time on stuff that doesn't matter. God's word stirs up that stuff and reminds us of that all the time. And so it keeps that on the hearts of my kids and it does something else. It helps them remember that he's there. Back in Proverbs 5, in verse 21, I mentioned this earlier. The wise man says, in a context talking about sexual purity, the wise man says, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. I will tell you, brothers and sisters, the only way that you and I can let ourselves do something wicked is when we can pretend like God doesn't see when we can let ourselves block out the reality that the windows of heaven are open and the Creator is looking down on what I do. And I'm just telling you, the more and more we get our kids close to God through His Word and through their meaningful prayer life and by being with His people, the closer they get to God, the more they remember His presence every day. And when you know God's watching, it's hard to do the wrong thing. So along the way, as we're working to protect them from these awful dangers, we're doing something else. We're trying to build these good habits and draw them close to God because the closer they get to him, the harder it is to sin. So, will you go home and talk this week? 
Will you lay out some biblical principles in your family to protect your kids from these dangers online? Someone says, well, my kids are little. Three and four-year-olds are online, okay? Time to start. We start making some rules and step away from the busyness of life enough to be plugged in, hold them accountable. And then along the way, all this stuff we talk about all the time, like the devos that will take place tonight, like the Bible classes that will happen Wednesday night, like the gatherings like this, all this stuff we talk about all the time. Will you help your kids build some good habits? I'll get them ready to meet God. Because I assure you, brothers and sisters, we serve a true and living God. And the reality is, he does see. Even right now, he sees. He knows the hearts of the people in this crowd. He knows those of us who are struggling because things are not right with us and God. And like a loving father, he looks on this crowd tonight, and he hopes tonight will be your night to come home, to get ready to meet him. So if you need to do that, you come on down to the front right now while we stand, while we sing.